0: As far as the rest of the industry is concerned, I don't know that my relationship has changed much, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. To me, life is dance, and dance is life. And it'll probably always be that way for me.
1: World, world Your Oyster. What's up, everybody? You're listening to World, Your Oyster. And this is a very special Father's Day episode. And I am here with none other then my father, David Sanders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Dad. Thank you. I'm not going to lie, this is our second time. <laughs> because as all things happen, you know, we did a beautiful episode together, my father and I. I went all the way out to Long Island. Now this time he had to come all the way out to me in New York City. And uh, between the two of us, neither of us remember to, uh, to hit record on the actual device. So we're going to do this again. But it's going to be even better, right? What do you think, Absolutely. Dad? Absolutely. <laughs> so before we get going, I just want to give you a very short introduction on who my father is. Well, number one, he's my dad, David Sanders. He is an over 40-year veteran of the dance industry. He has run beautiful, successful businesses, dance studios, dance companies, and now, well, for 20 years, actually... Close. Legacy Dance Championships, which is an incredible dance uh, dance competition. So we're going to get into his full story. And uh, I'm just thrilled that you agreed to do this with me again. So thanks, Dad. You're welcome. <laughs> so we'd love to just get a little bit of backstory. Obviously, you know, your entire life has been all about dance. So we'd love to understand how the dance actually found you.
0: How the dance found me? Yeah. It started as young as I can remember. I used to, uh, my parents would put Lawrence Welk on in the living room, and I used to tap dance with Arthur Duncan. Yeah? And absolutely.
1: I don't know who any of these people are. You want to mm-hmm. tell us?
0: Uh, Arthur Duncan? tap dancer. Yeah? <laughs> Great tap dancer.
1: And who put that Back on? In the was it your sixties? mom, dad?
0: My mom and dad used to watch Lawrence Welk. Okay. You have to be old to know who Lawrence Welk
1: is. That's okay.
0: But it was, uh, he ran a band, so it was a... Show with with music.
1: So you were trained in a dance studio growing up? Yes. And you started what when you were four, five? Three.
0: Three. 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 See, I didn't yes, even know that. Absolutely. Well, uh my Debbie, your Aunt Debbie. Yeah, my course. older sister was in dance class and of course with four kids, mom had us all there and I used to dance around the uh the waiting room and they dragged me into class. <laughs> the rest the rest is history.
1: So you're at the dance studio with your sisters. At what point did you really think about having this as your career? Or was this just something that you enjoyed doing at that time? You weren't really thinking about the future.
0: Yeah, no, I, no thoughts of making dance my, my career or my future um, until actually after my freshman year in college.
1: Because you were quite a good student, correct? Yes, I was. So I was. you were into the academia. Yes. And I played then, a lot of
0: sports as well.
1: Oh, you did? What sports did you play?
0: What sports didn't I play?
1: <laughs> is that what got you that pinky? Part of it, yeah. <laughs> Show everyone the famous David Sanders pinky. Can we get the story once and for all as to why your pinky is this way? The people are dying to know.
0: Oh, it's probably been broken in excess <laughs> of seventy-five to a hundred times.
1: No, come on. Absolutely. How like maybe just give me two different two different times that you broke it. <laughs> Do you remember?
0: I, I could give you many times. I mean, it gets to the point where when it's not fixed that you just bang it the wrong way and it just kind of re-breaks again.
1: I mean, it's so. actually way worse than I remember it. Oof. He's got this pinky, man. It is it is really something. But it looks beautiful when you're doing your, your dance lines, actually. Yeah, so yeah just sticks <laughs> out. So let's talk about how you get to the dance studio, right? Because obviously I do know that you go away to college and you decide that that's just not not going to work for you, correct?
0: Freshman year of college, I was uh, busy having a good time. Um, (laughs) So I lost my scholarship, not really due to lack of good grades. My grades were good, but I didn't go to class, so they had to drop me a grade point average. So it cost me my scholarship. Um, And I came back uh, to Long Island, um, and I decided, you know what? I don't think that what I want to do with my life, especially when I figured out that I really missed dance, um, that I needed to continue on in college. So I came back to Long Island uh, and I, I used to coach gymnastics as well, women's gymnastics as a women's gymnastics coach. And I started dancing again, uh, actually jumped into the ballroom industry. Mm-hmm. So I got all my ballroom training done. I was teaching ballroom and uh, in the meantime, also started going back to the city for classes. And a phone call came into my ballroom studio. Someone was selling mirrors, and I said, "Okay, well, what else are you selling?" <laughs> and they said, "Actually, we're selling a whole studio." And I said, "Okay, what kind of studio?" And they told me it was what we do now, what I do—you know, jazz, tap, LA—you know, the whole, the whole gamut. And um, I thought about it. Uh, I had to borrow a little money, and uh, the, the rest I had, and.
1: And the rest I was the studio and
0: the rest is history, yes, exactly.
1: So let's talk about the early days of starting that business. What were some of the obstacles that you might have had to overcome in those first few years?
0: You, you know what? There weren't a lot of obstacles. Um, you know, again, it was 1980. There were a lot of dance schools around, but not like today where they're like pizza parlors on every corner. Um, I hung a sign, I put out an ad put my photo in the ad, and people came, you know. If there were any obstacles, it was just that I was young. I was only 20 years old. And were you
1: ready to say goodbye to your dance career at that point?
0: I was not, no. You were not. I was not. The studios were running. They were rolling. And uh, I continued to perform. You know, I couldn't do long gigs. So, you know, the most things I would take would be six-month contracts. Um, But, you know, I did a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have all my union cards, so, uh, you know, um, I, I did film, I did television, uh, did a lot of concert dance, uh, national tours, short tours, six months, that's it. <laughs> um, I uh, traveled with uh, Maurice Hines and Mercedes Ellington. Amazing. Um, doing the Maurice Hines review. We also had a thing called Ballet Taps USA, which also included Judith Jameson, um, so we performed... Basically, with Ballet Taps, we kind of just stayed northeast. Um, with Maurice Hines, I mean, we traveled all over the world. I mean, we did a two-week stint in in uh, Monte Carlo, so yeah, that was kind of fun. Um, but we kept the studios rolling the whole time. You know that that was you know that was the bread and butter.
1: Yeah. Yep. And when did you start to develop the signature David Sanders style? <laughs>
0: you know what it was a constant evolving thing um you know when you're a studio owner and you're involved in basically teaching almost all the classes you're doing a lot of choreography absolutely Um, so you know I mean it didn't happen right away but uh I guess over the course of the first 10 years Mm -hmm. um is when the style developed uh especially the tap style You know, you've you've got two different styles of tap. So you've got rhythm tap, where it's really all about the sound and into the ground. And uh, most rhythm tappers don't concern themselves very much with their upper body. So (laughs) you really don't have to watch because it's sometimes not very attractive to watch. Um, And then you've got your uh, theater tappers or Broadway-style tappers, you know, where everything is up on the balls of feet. And, you know, and then there's arms and upper body. And it's pretty, but the sounds aren't, so... So that's when the fusion of David Sanders-style tap started With because I was with Maurice, um, you know, so I, I did rhythm tap as well as, uh, I'm going to say, Broadway-style tap as well. Um, so that's when the fusion began.
1: Yeah. I feel like I was really lucky to be around during those times. I think that that's when your signature style kind of started, when I was probably in, like, Sixth or seventh grade, I think the first real blend that you had was Contemporary Tap 101, right? Yeah, I would say that would yeah, be your first that, rhythm tap. I
0: would probably, yes, rhythm-wise. I mean, we I did, well, one of the things, if you're into it, and that old, the thing mm-hmm. that really made me famous was uh, the Tap routine of Smooth Criminal.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: So um, that was not as heavy rhythm tap, but it was rhythm tap-infused. Yeah. That's what people really remember about me from way back when, so.
1: Well, let's even backtrack for a couple of minutes, just because not everybody that's tuning in is going to know exactly, you know, what a dance uh, company is, what they do. So if you could just actually explain in your own words what your dance company is and how it started and what it's meant to you for all this time.
0: It's not a dance company along the lines of ABT or Paul Taylor or something like that, um, but... Being very young and having friends um, who still dance and want to still dance when I opened the studios at twenty years old i'm my our first company performance company was uh young adults
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, some very good and some not so talented, but we did shows and performances, so it was fun um, and it morphed into a a children 's dance company down the road, probably about four or five years uh, mm-hmm. Kids needing an outlet to perform them—they I mean, were very good. So, uh, really, aside from doing nursing homes and recitals, the only outlet for for kids, even to this day, is uh, is competing, competition. Dance competitions. Yeah.
1: Yep. And that's how I grew up. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and my dad. I know I've talked about this before, but my dad was my dance teacher, my mentor, my coach. All of those things for 20 years of my life.
0: Absolutely. 20
1: years in the salt mines of David (laughs) Sanders' Dance Dynamics. You got it. Just as he said when I got my 20-year anniversary (laughs) trophy. Was it 20 or 15 years? Sorry, it was 15 15. years. (laughs) It was 15 years. But, um, you know, those... And I know I'm not just saying this for myself, um, but, you know, you've impacted thousands of people's lives truly doing what you do. And I know that I'm not alone in saying this, but those years that we all spend in that dance studio, you don't know it at that time, but those are truly some of the best years of your life. Um, For so many reasons, but I think for, I can speak for anyone that went to our dance studio, it was always because we had this incredible North Star. And you were super hard on all of us, but there is not a single person I know that is not grateful for it. We all knew it came from love, first and foremost, because you wanted the best out of all of us. But I know that there is not a single one of us out there that is not so tremendously grateful for you being the person that you were to all of us. You know, you loved really hard. It was tough love. You would not accept anything but the best from all of us and you have this special way of being able to pull out the talent in someone that doesn't have much talent too Mm. I think and not to, to go off on a tangent but I think that you know what you've been able to create on people that are not professional dancers is truly incredible some of the best work that I've seen and you should be really super proud of that
0: I am thank you
1: Good. I'm glad to hear that you're proud of that. Hey, my pearls. Since you're listening to this show, I would assume that you are into all things self-betterment. And what is better than being healthy? Which is why we've partnered with eFunctional. eFunctional is an online healthcare marketplace designed to meet the needs of today's busy and health-conscious consumers. With eFunctional, you gain access to fully certified state-of-the-art laboratories right from your own home. Their partnership with top-notch laboratories allow them to offer a wide range of at-home laboratory tests from wellness and sexual health to food sensitivities and more. E Functional is your trusted partner for accessible, accurate, and affordable healthcare testing. Visit their website at www.efunctional.com for more information and use our code OYSTA20. That's O Y S T A 20 at checkout. And now you have absolutely no excuse not to get your diagnostics on. You'll thank us later. Do so you want to talk about some of the important lessons that you've learned about running successful businesses and dance schools? Is there anything that sticks out as super significant to uh,
0: you? Just be decisive and stick to your game plan. You know, that's, that's really it. So,
1: Did you have a roadmap for yourself, you think, through at, your...
0: At 20? No. No. <laughs> no, not at 20, no.
1: What about again at 50 when you started over with the dance competition? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, I had a game plan. Being 46 years old and starting, uh, you know, a national dance competition, which, by the way, is a difficult thing to do. Uh, <laughs> it's harder than I thought. But the plan was always to be become as big and as successful as fast as I could. So
1: With the competition? With
0: the competitions, yes.
1: And I think also probably with your dance schools as well, because there was a point in time where you, had, you were opening up studios every few years.
0: I think four was the max I ever had. Really? So, yeah, I think so. I don't think I had
1: five. What was that one that had, was upstairs? That was in Bayshore. That was in Bayshore. Yeah, I feel like around that time you had a lot, but I guess it was only four. It's only four. Yeah, it's only four. And what do you think is the uh, has been the biggest influence on your love of dance through all of these years?
0: I don't know that I can bring it to one big influence, but you know, when you do what you love to make your living that's the way to live
1: life. 100%. So. And I'm so glad that you feel that way because you've dedicated so much of your life and your time to all of your businesses. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, dance is dance has been it since, I mean, again, I started dancing around the living room, you know, three years old, maybe younger. Um, I didn't think that would be my life. I didn't see myself as a, being a dance teacher. Um, I mean, I got out of high school a year early, so I was only 17 my freshman year in college. And uh, figuring out that at that time, between the ages of 17 and 18, that, you know what, I really miss dance and maybe that is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, it's, it's been about dance, business and dance.
1: <laughs> and, you know, that's an interesting, it's an interesting intersection, right? Because two, those two things are very different. How did you find you were able to kind of split and dedicate your time between running the businesses and then the creative aspect of what you do? Uh,
0: it's always been me, really, the way I am. I, I, you know, you know when you take those tests in school and they give you that pie chart of what you should do. Yep. Well, it was absolutely split between the arts and business. Huh? My pie chart came back that way, and. Honestly, I never took any business classes. It was just something that came really easy to me. Being a math head, which, again, is genetics in in our family. <laughs> At least.
1: On you, uh, yeah, well, well, we do share the same blood, but yeah, I didn't get yeah, the gene. You
0: didn't, you, didn't get the, you didn't get the math gene. Um, <laughs> but, you know, your grandfather was a mathematical genius, and so that passed along. Um, so, So business, again, was easy for me. Uh, once again also, I was always decisive and, and I followed whatever my goal was.
1: Mm-hmm. So you spend 40 years in the dance school and can we talk a little bit about the creative process? I know that you're not creating as much as you used to anymore. No. In the lab. (laughs) But let's go back. You know, I can think, what, it's been maybe 15 years since you've really been spending a lot of time in the studio. But let's take it back to those years when I was in the salt mine and run me through your process of how you would put together one of those (laughs) super memorable routines. Oh, well,
0: unlike most people, I have no real process. Um, (laughs) I need bodies in front of me to create. Um, So it was really about picking music or a song that I liked, and I said, ah, let me try playing with this. I, maybe I wanna work with this. And it all happens on the fly for me. So, you know, I, I'm not one to pre-prepare choreography. Um, and every time I tried it, it was always like, yeah, well, that can go in the trash, no good. <laughs> so, as long as I have the bodies in front of me and I'm listening to the music, that's my process.
1: And when did you know a dance was done?
0: when I got to the end of the song and I put an ending on, uh, no, that's not true. No, there's always, (laughs) there's always tweaking. I'm not one of those people that think that, Oh, you know, I did this thing. It's a masterpiece. You know, it's a Da Vinci. There are a lot of people like that. And I'm like, things can always improve, you know? So, so you always tweak, you know, um, if I pulled an old routine out of a closet, you know, um, because of course it was part of our repertoire, What was that word?
1: Repertoire? The repertoire. (laughs) A rep. (laughs) The repertoire. I like that.
0: (laughs) So Yeah, so (laughs) that would always get tweaked as well and updated, you know, keep it significant.
1: Yeah, no, that's always been one of the things that's impressed me the most about my father is the way that he can continuously remain relevant even though you hadn't trained, you know, I mean, we're always training and evolving, but, you know, you were really able to... I always use this example with my father with the sexy back. He choreographed a dance to sexy back when I was probably 16, 15 or 16 years old. I actually wasn't even in the dance, yeah, it was but a
0: dance.
1: <laughs> it was a junior dance. And I, I was floored because there was a hip hop section. The tapping was incredible. Obviously that's a given, but I was like, how the hell did he come up with these moves when he doesn't even take hip hop? He's never even taken a hip hop class in his life. That one. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's t- to me just super impressive, which I think, you must have some sort of, like, photographic memory or something, or to be able to mimic, see movement, mimic movement. Exactly.
0: And, and again, the the, the complete love of dance as well. Uh, you know, I've remade my style, as any artist has to do. You have to remake, remake yourself every 10 years or so, otherwise you get bored. Totally. Um, or you lose relevance, really, to be honest with you. Uh, again, as a dancer, you know, You use the word mimic. And the idea as a dancer, especially if you're not choreographing something, is you need to be able to recreate the style that the choreographer wants. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, yes, I guess it's mimicking. I'm a stylist.
1: You are? Yeah. You are. And now you said that you need to constantly reinvent yourself. Was there ever a point in time or a piece of choreography that you were like, all right, you know what? It's time. I I need to have this little resurrection
0: yeah it happened many times well at least three times you know over the course of you know spanning from 25 to 55 and you know at that point then I was you know that's kind of when I stepped away The basically the last the last eight to ten years I've stepped away from the studio so yeah. um you know at that point I was like pretty much done uh didn't feel like reinventing myself you know, <laughs> reinventing
1: yourself is hard it's not easy
0: no so it's a little tired but you know i still do choreograph my one or two pieces a year and somehow i managed to
1: pull it pull, out pull
0: out some kind of artistry so <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know i'll have to come see one this year i feel like it's been a while since i've been to the
0: to well, the recitals I only choreograph one dance this year That's <laughs> it.
1: Can you tell me about a particular moment or performance that stands out to you as a highlight of your career?
0: It, it doesn't have to do with myself. It has to do with you guys. Well, uh, watching you guys on stage at Hulaween with Bette Midler uh, was one. A really big one, I think, was watching you guys do uh, um, the St. James Theater and with the standing ovation. From an audience that was paying about $1,500 a ticket.
1: And then remember when we did the Jazz at Lincoln Center Jazz opening? at
0: Lincoln Center was a big one as well.
1: What about Regis and, and Kathy Lee? That was amazing with Paul Abdul, your yeah, girl.
0: Yeah, my girl.
1: <laughs> Can we get to the bottom of my name, by the way? Was I named after Paul Abdul? No.
0: <laughs> Paul Abdul was long after. No, was very, no she was kind of famous with you bro. But no, not Paul Abdul. Oh. You're named after your abuela.
1: I know. Apollonia. Yes. Paola. Paola. <laughs> So, um, how have you balanced running businesses with being a father? Um, and what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs that have children?
0: With you and Davey, there was more involvement. Um, maybe because I was younger and I had more energy. Plus, of course you danced, So you were always with me and I made sure to find the time, um, for your brother, uh, to run him around playing his sports, especially ice hockey and All the travel, because he was elite-level ice hockey player. I think my last two, I think uh, Dylan and Aiden have suffered um, more than you guys did, because the competition is...
1: A big big, undertaking.
0: Yeah, it's a big part of my life right now. Um, And has
1: been for the last 18 years.
0: 17, yeah. 17. 17, something like that. So they've suffered, uh, which I feel horrible about.
1: Well, um, you've got the rest of your life to make up for uh, it. And I, <laughs> and I
0: will make up for it. So but, so what I would tell other interpreters is, you know, it, it's hard running a successful business and it is 24-7, but you do need to find time for your family.
1: Absolutely. And what are your thoughts on how you can nurture a child that is, you know, coming up in the creative space and in the arts? How do you support them?
0: myself or you
1: mean how would you was there any advice that you would give to a parent that has a child that is coming up in the dance studio or acting or singing how do you how do you nurture them
0: you just got to trust the creative process keep them in lessons um you know if they're dancing you know keep them in ballet class please um <laughs> you know keep them in in dance class and they should study everything Okay, um, you know, don't just make it about oh, what's hot today, like contemporary, and then they don't, they end up without a career. Uh, so um, they need to know everything. You know, ballet, ballet is your base, so always, always stay in the ballet class. Ballet, tap, jazz, musical theater, hip hop, lyrical, and contemporary. So, Acrobatics too is yeah, quite important I tell you, now you, as well. Acro is important. I was a gymnast, um, and it always helped me along the way. And I, it's it's become a pretty big asset to have these days as well. So, and again, even if they're just dancers and, and once you find out, they decide that this might be a career choice for them. Got to get the voice trained. You do need to sing. You don't have to be an amazing songbird, but you, you know, have to be able to carry a tune and even, even learning to, um, to act a bit, you know, is, is a good thing. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt. So, um, and for singers and you know, again, depending on what you want to do, if if if, you, if you're a singer and you say, oh, "I might want to do Broadway," well, you better get yourself some dance training. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so just everyone should be a triple threat. Yeah, well, uh, that'd be
0: great. <laughs> but you know, as a parent, just just nurture, you know, mm-hmm. nurture them and keep them training.
1: Absolutely. And do you have any advice for young? dancers that might be ending their career and looking to move into opening up a dance studio, what would be your advice? Listen,
0: if you love kids and, you know, you're thinking that maybe a dance school is something I want to open, you know, just make sure that you have teaching experience to start. You know, some kids just, oh, mommy and daddy open them a studio Um, and they've never taught before, you know, get that teaching experience before you make that decision. And if that love of dance and love of kids is still there, then go ahead, open that studio.
1: Mm-hmm. And how do you get that teaching experience beforehand? You would say go to like by teaching as a while you're coming up in the dance studio, or how do you get that experience? Uh, teaching for local schools. Teaching for local schools. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I misunderstood a little yeah. bit there. So your dance competition is called Legacy Dance Championships. It is. And I want to know what does that word mean to you, and how did you how did you get to that as the name of your dance competition.
0: It's my legacy, (laughs) so means what it means.
1: Got it, got it. And what do you think has been the key to success of that business? Because we're 17 years in.
0: My personal stamp, you know, it's it's a competition that is owned by a dancer, dance studio owner. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know what, as a studio owner, I I need it and I want it. Um, I knew what the kids would need and what the kids would want, and so it was created uh, to push that forward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So my personal touch is what has made it so successful.
1: Mm-hmm. And just because not everybody's going to know what a dance competition is, can you just break that down for us? Uh, From the man himself.
0: Can I break it down? Break it down, What is a baby. dance competition? For us and, and, and my industry, what we do is... We run uh, events all around the country, and they're really for for kids from eight from three to 18, average age being like 13, 14 years old. So they're competitions much like what you see <laughs> on television with So You Think You Can Dance and World of Dance. You know, uh, so schools from the area or the region that we're actually running the event uh, sign up to bring their kids to compete, and there are solos, there were duet trios, there were groups. Um, so it's a, you know it, it's a big mix of things. Um, there are age categories now. There are level categories. Back in the day, there weren't levels. Now there are, um, and of course, there are breakdowns of categories like tap, jazz, ballet. Contemporary,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so on, such, forth.
1: And can you talk a little bit about the intricacies of what goes into setting up one show? <laughs> just because I think it's important that people know that it's, you know, just how much goes into planning that one
0: show. It's a lot of work. Well, it's a lot. First, you've got to find the proper venue. That's mm-hmm. number one. Okay. Um, then you have to hire the proper staff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then you've got to hire the proper judges. <laughs> Then you've got to get everyone there. Get everyone there. <laughs> you've got to house them while they're there. You have to feed, feed them, them. When, when they're there, and then you got to get them home.
1: And then run the show. Sorry, that's like the whole reason that you're there. Which running the show is—you're uh, running a show every single weekend, running and you're a doing every three weekend. cities, every, uh, five, five cities every single weekend. Right. So, what still inspires and motivates you to get up and do this every weekend?
0: I I still enjoy it. I still love it.
1: You love it, yeah. And what aspects of it do you think it is? Is it the talent? Do you love to watch that? Did you, or do you love to put on this show?
0: I like watching the talent um, and the different styles and genres. And you know, every part of the country has a little different tweak on on mm-hmm. things. Um, so I get to see it all. So that's great. And uh, yes, I love producing the show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Love producing that show that runs like clockwork. <laughs>
1: His competition is the only competition that runs on time, I will say. Good luck if you got a pee and you're a judge.
0: It's not happening. <laughs> we take a break. Pause for a good cause. Uh, that's right.
1: <laughs> I say that at work, believe it or not.
0: Every, every, <laughs> every, every 90 minutes to two hours, five-minute judges break.
1: Five-minute judges you break. You
0: got it. And, of course, we're always ahead, so I get to extend that to 10 minutes.
1: <laughs> What do you hope your legacy will be in the dance industry and how do you think your businesses and teaching have contributed to that legacy?
0: Well, as, as far as teaching, I, I hope I'm remembered as a, as a really, really good teacher, someone who cared. As a choreographer, I'm hoping I'll be remembered for my innovation, especially where TAP is concerned. And as far as the national competition, I hope I'll, I'll be remembered for uh, promoting and pushing forward change in the industry to make it a better, better industry for, uh, for the dancers and the studio owners.
1: Mm-hmm. One that's a bit more fair, I would say.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. And how has your relationship changed over the years and what lessons have you learned from your decades of experience in this industry?
0: My relationship changed with
1: who? with with dance. How has your relationship changed and evolved over the years?
0: Oh gosh, um, well I'm not so much a, as much a hard ass as I used to be in the classroom. Uh, so. <laughs> lucky kids, <laughs> lucky kids. That's right. <laughs> they get grandpa, grandpa David, Mister, <laughs> Mister Nice Daddy David. But I still get what I want. As far as the rest of the industry is concerned. Uh, I don't know that my relationship has changed much, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, to me, life is dance, and dance is life. And Period. it'll probably always be that way for me.
1: What are you excited about? Business and personal, what are you excited about?
0: Well, I'm excited that my business keeps growing, so that's great. Personally, uh, your brother will be graduating, your youngest, my youngest, be graduating mm-hmm. high school next year and going on to college. I don't know if I can slow down, but hopefully sometime in the near future, I'll be able to slow down and enjoy life a little bit more with my lovely wife. So, um, and spending more time with you kids and enjoying that. Uh, But we'll see.
1: What do you mean, but we'll see?
0: (laughs) About the slowing down.
1: (laughs) Come on. You're getting old, Pops.
0: I know I am. It's time
1: to slow it down. I'd like to. No, it's, you've been, uh, you know, since this is a Father's Day episode, we're going to talk a little bit about parenting and fathering and all of the things. And, you know, you have been the best inspiration for me as a daughter, I think. You've been an incredible example of what hard work um, can give you. You have taught me to be a fighter in all of the things that I believe in. You've taught me to be decisive. And once you do make those decisions, to fully believe in in all of them. And I think most importantly is you've taught me how to move through life with grace. And I think that if you don't move through life with grace, it's, um, even the challenging parts are beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And so I just wanted to thank you for number one, for all that you've done for me. I know that I don't say it often enough, but you are an awesome dad from day one um, even as a, as a child, when our lives changed, you never missed a weekend.
0: Nope.
1: Uh, you were there for everything, even if you said I didn't invite you to my concerts. You were always there for me and even through the times where I think that I was hard to love. <laughs> um, you know, you still you did and you always believed in me. And yes. even when I stopped dancing, you still knew that I would find my way. You didn't criticize. You were never angry nope. that I didn't follow in your footsteps, even though I could have and made your life a whole lot easier. Um, but I thank you for, for um, I think you understood that I needed to find out who I was off the, off the dance floor and outside of, uh, you know, you at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I always struggled with wanting to be normal as a kid you know i didn't want to be the owner's daughter which is interesting in in uh, now knowing the way that i you know run my life i want to not that i need to be the pinnacle or anything like that but i want to be anything but normal so it's just interesting that i spent you know half of my life just screaming about i just want to be like everybody else but thank you for not letting me be like everybody else you're welcome (laughs) And as I said, since it's a Father's Day episode, I would love to hear from you if you have any advice about parenting and what helped you through the difficult times of raising a daughter or sons. Any takeaways?
0: Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) well, I guess for all of you parents out there that want to be your child's best friend, um... Don't do it. Yeah, it's listen. That's the easy that's the easy road out. You have to be a parent. Um, You have to teach them, you know, ethics and uh, responsibility and everything else it takes to be successful in life. You've got from the time they're out of college till the day you die to be their best friend. Okay, so so be a parent first. Absolutely. You know, raise your kids properly. Teach them respect. Teach them how to go through life. So that that that's my advice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. And it. allow
0: them to be their own people too. You have to you have to nurture them to grow as well. Yeah. So.
1: No, totally. Support them. I was just gonna say that. Mm-hmm. Favorite dance you've ever choreographed?
0: Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> There's so many. I, I, I mean, know. You could just keep going. I mean, you start with Smooth Criminal. You could go to I Got Rhythm. You could do uh, Can Can. You can do um, Stomp to My Beat, um, Ability to Swing. <laughs> Things like Ring Finger that were off the wall back then. That um, one was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so much. Favorite dancer? <laughs> Why well, you, of course, darling. <laughs>
1: What you didn't see is I gave him the eyes of death. <laughs> no, you've trained some really, truly incredible dancers. You should be really, really proud um, of what you've built. Forty Over 40 years in the industry is a tremendous feat. Um, and, you know, what I think we didn't really talk about is a lot of the hardships that come with owning dance studios and dealing with people. You know, you've dealt with 40 some odd years of individuals and that is that is is really hard and i think that that's a a a big piece of the industry that a lot of people don't really recognize is that you know you spend a lot of time with these individuals and you know sometimes they become your friends and there are also times where they do terrible things to you, and uh, you know, steal students, open up down the block. You know, the the, the things that you've endured over y- your career, um, you know, they're a lot and they're heavy. And I think that, um, you know, you've kind of always came up on up on top, it's I, like the cockroach. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, cockroach man can't kill me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. For for me, it's always about moving forward. You know, I I don't have time to go back and worry about Mm -hmm. what's going on there. My Mm -hmm. time is better spent moving forward and creating things and developing things. And that's what I do best. Mm -hmm. And that's where I focus my efforts. That's where I always have. I can't worry about the, uh, you know, the person that doesn't want to be around anymore and trying to hurt me. So,
1: Amen. Yeah hundred percent
0: addition by subtraction
1: Ooh, i like that that's going to be the pearl of this episode that's addition always, by subtraction
0: that's always been my thing when someone decides they're, they're leaving you don't ever remember me telling you guys that i don't know if i know addition ever, by
1: subtraction i don't yes. know, i've never heard you say that before
0: i don't know that anyone ever left when you were around so yes, but yes
1: we had a yeah. we had a big one
0: yeah i always said addition by subtraction
1: yeah Is there any other last little chunks of wisdom you would like to leave our millions of listeners with? (laughs)
0: Oh, how about the saying, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I think it's better to say, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn.
1: Amen. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with me again. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Lots and lots. And I think that you are super cool. Oh, and thanks. I'm very grateful, as I've said a, a couple of times during the episode. But I'm super grateful to uh, have had such a, a wonderful north star for me in my life and a great example as a father. And um, yeah, let's, let's do the quick fire. Okay. Although you're probably prepared now, so this isn't uh, even going to be good. I don't know. What are the we'll three see. things that you think about every single day?
0: My family, including wife and kids, my business.
1: Where are my cigarettes? <laughs>
0: no, I don't think about that. We're trying to put those away.
1: Thank the Lord. It's
0: last bad habits. Got to go. Got to go. Um, yeah, I mean, family, business... mean, what else really is there? Health. I should probably think about my health more. I'd quit smoking a lot quicker.
1: Exactly. If you had a warning label, what would Uh, it be?
0: Don't ask me my opinion (laughs) if you don't want the truth.
1: (laughs) That's mine, too. (laughs) A hundred percent. If money were no object, what would you do?
0: Money were no object. God, there's so much I would do. Um, I would produce a Broadway musical. Mm -hmm. Maybe a movie musical. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd keep pushing forward the arts, especially dance, in some way or another. And I'd slow down.
1: (sighs) This is my petition. Maybe. (laughs) This is my petition to ask my father to slow it down, please. (laughs) And my last question... Although I already know the answer to this one. How do you take your oysters, sir?
0: <laughs> oh, only when you order them. That's how I take my oysters. <laughs> exactly. Only when you and uh, your mother-in-law, my lovely wife Kim, order them.
1: <laughs> mother-in-law? She's not my mother-in-law. I mean, <laughs> she's my your
0: stepmother. Sorry. <laughs> um, yes. I, I will not go out on my own and order oysters. Oysters. But I do enjoy them when you guys get them.
1: I eat them. Yeah, no, you're you're not not super picky. Yeah, just not my favorite thing. (laughs) What do you think about my recent endeavor with this podcast? I
0: I think it's nice. I think it's great. I I hope it's successful. Um, And I've had fun being on the podcast. Twice. Twice. Should we
1: come back for a third? Oh, shit, I didn't hit record. No. I
0: watched um, watch you hit record. That button's red.
1: Three times. Um, three so, times.
0: So, I mean, so technically we've done this twice, but really it's your first podcast with me.
1: Oh, yeah, because we didn't, we didn't have that the last yeah, time. Exactly. <laughs>
0: so It's really the first one. It, yes, if you need me back, I will do
1: number two. Why not? Well, I love it, and it's been so fun to get to spend time with you. I always have to call my dad to, to hang out with me to do something creative. That's right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much to everybody that's listening. And I know that there are people that are very excited about this episode. So I think it's going to be a wonderful one. I hope that it reaches all of you. And happy Father's Day. (laughs) We are so excited to spend it with you. And have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone.
0: Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.
1: Thanks for listening to World's Your Oyster. If you love what you're listening to, be sure to like, rate, and review this episode wherever you listen to your podcast, And follow us on Instagram at World's Your Oyster. And share this episode with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Bye-bye.